Hello and welcome to episode 112 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host Stuart Butler, joined today with apiarist Pete DeMeo. Hey everybody. And I was going to say saxophonist, but that's not correct. Clarinetist Melissa Kavanaugh. Howdy ho. Are you other kind of ists? Uh, How would you label yourself? <clears throat> I would label myself probably a renaissance s. I'm a I always like to try to find something new to do and learn about new things. Oh, that's fun. That's so I'm more going fun with than a renaissancist. Is that what renaissance means? I think it does. Okay. Like a renaissance man. I thought that was like you were old. You're from like the olden days. No. Not at I'm all. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so you're like the Michelangelo of today. Is I like to think so. Yeah. You like pizza and say cowabunga. <laughs> I do. <laughs> awesome. Today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be about the high tech event. The, um, it's an annual technology conference that moves around the country. There's one in Europe, but we're going to focus on the one in North America. It's, it's been, I've been to one in Anaheim, LA, um, Austin. It was in Toronto last time, I think, maybe the time before. But it moves around, and this year it's going to be in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, which I've never been to, so I'm excited to go to that. Fuel will be exhibiting, but we're going to be talking more about what to expect at that event, and is it the right kind of event for you, and kind of get into some of the trends that we're thinking are going to be there and some of the things you might want to stay away from while you're at that event as well. Some people call this the Super Bowl of technology conferences for the hospitality industry. I like to think that the Super Bowl is the high tech of football games, you know, because high tech is that that big. It's bigger wow. than the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's like the World Cup of hotel conferences. No, the World Cup is the high tech of soccer games. Wow. Yeah. This is impressive. It is. It, it really is big. I've been to a lot of conferences and, and expos over the years, but this one is just mammoth in, in scale, in quality. And we'll focus more on the expo side today just because, um, you know, that's that's where we, we spend a lot of our time. There are a lot of educational sessions that go on during it, but I think what we're talking about you'll see reflected in the educational sessions. And, and I'll be honest, some of the educational things I've been to before have been a little pitchy into, and not like, you know, pitchy dog, American Idol style. I'm talking about people pay to present. And whenever you get vendors that are paying to present, they usually have an agenda and they're trying to sell their wares to you. So we're going to stay away from that a little bit and focus more on the expo and, the, and what technology we expect to see and what you should be paying attention to. So that's the episode today. But before we get into that, what's going on in the news of ruse? There's a lot of good whoa, stuff. Whoa, 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 ah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, you thought you were getting away with it, huh? With hotel marketing that cannot lose, now it's time for news a ruse. There are three clicks in that. You know, it was two clicks. You went, didn't, didn't. It almost sounded like, was it just, maybe echo I mean, through. When, when the music takes hold of me, I don't see what happens. Yeah. It just happens. Gloria Estefan was right. <laughs> yes, the, the rhythm will get you. That's right. So, anyway, <laughs> the rhythm got me, but you know what else got me? Self-service kiosks. They're becoming more popular than ever in hotels. And so this article t comes from Hotel News Now. And it's self-service kiosks become more popular at hotels. And what it really talks about is <coughs> how the self-service kiosk option is really evolving and becoming more useful for hotels. This is based on a study by the Travel Leaders Group, 
who they surveyed 2,600 customers, and 78% of those respondents said they would like to see self-service kiosk or some level of self-service during the check-in process. That makes sense to me. Which makes a lot of sense because that's check-in is a necessary evil, right? right? And and that makes a lot of sense. I think you know with tools like kiosk, with tools like you know our app with you know mobile check-in, check in, yeah, you know, that's where that is going. But it kind of goes beyond that. And you know, in one example, it talks about Embassy Suites has launched a new dining concept which offers self-service payment. And the entire process is completely self-service within a kiosk, which is great for hotels that have a small convenience store type setup where they don't necessarily have to staff it. But someone can come in, you know, get a toothbrush or, you know, whatever kind of toiletry they might need or snacks, whatever it might be. So we've seen several of the hotels that we work with have self-service kiosks already. For a couple of years, we've had one uh independent group of hotels have a self-service DVD rental. It's actually included as part of their stay. Now, there's no money changing hands in those kiosks, but guests absolutely love it. The ability to go get a new release movie on a DVD to bring up to their room has really increased guest satisfaction. Yeah, and they, they kind of they take that out of the resort fee, the ones that you're they talking do. about. So it's, it's an amenity for, for the guests. Mm-hmm. But it gets used. The ones that have put it in their property have added multiple ones because it gets used so much. As, yeah. You know, and these are resort destinations. So people there for a week or so, they're going to have some downtime when they're not at the beach and they're going to mm-hmm. want to do so, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's, I think it's important as you are rolling out technology. And actually, this is kind of foreshadows a little bit what we'll talk about today when we talk about high tech. But making sure that as you roll out this technology and you put kiosks in place or whatever it is, make sure that it's furthering the goal of guest satisfaction and relationships with your guest, and you're not becoming this autonomous location that has no heart and soul to it, and the customer can still interact with you as a hotelier and not as a technology provider. Yeah, and I think that's important point and, and i think people really need to consider the fact that yes a high percentage said they would consider using this this self-serve checkout check-in um, kiosk but but it's all about context it's all about situation it's all about you know the individuals it's very nuanced it's not a black and white discussion like if you asked me that question would i consider using it yes i would 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 that be my preferred method it depends, right? If I'm if I'm showing up with my kids, it might be a fun thing for them to press the buttons. Or if they, I get there and there's a long line, then probably. But you know what? If I get there and there's no one waiting and there's this friendly smile right there that I can interact with, I'd probably go and do that mm-hmm. instead. So I think it's not a either or. It's not. I don't think people are saying, "Hey, we don't want to deal with real people." I think they're just saying, hey, we want choice. We want flexibility. You look at everything in our society today, how spoiled we are, how much instant gratification we have, how much control we have of everything. I mean, look at look at the food service industry and the revolution it's going through now with DoorDash and, and Grubhub and, and Uber Eats and how convenient it is to just order whatever you want from any restaurant and, and it just shows up and you don't have to worry about Leaving the or house just a little the... kiosk thing on the table when you're in the restaurant. Yeah. You don't have to wait mm-hmm. for your waitress to come back and pay the damn bill that you don't want to pay anyway. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you said the D word. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Melissa's going hardcore today. But yeah, no, you're exactly right. But our society as a whole is spoiled for convenience. 
So you as a hospitality industry should be on the bleeding edge of that. You should absolutely be as convenient as possible. In, in touchscreen kiosks are one of those things. Pete touched on another one, mobile app, having the ability, whether it's a pre-check-in or an express check-in or a full check-in, whatever, giving the guest that convenience that wants to do it, giving them that choice, I think is really, really important. And, and not doing it to save money or to cut costs in terms of uh, employees, you know, and salaries and things like that. Do it because it's the right thing to do for, mm-hmm. the, for the guest and you'll do fine. Absolutely. All right, what's next in the news ruse? The next in the news ruse is straight out of Google's mouth or off their website. Out of their uh, fingers. Their blog. Yeah. Uh, and it's all about Google Trips. So we know that they've been investing a lot of time and resources into Google Flights and Google Hotels and that whole experience. Well, they're trying to tie it together now with Google Trips, where it's going to store all your research in addition to your confirmations and all these things is all going to be in one place for you to keep track of and keep yourself organized and it's pretty freaking awesome it's great it's convenient scary as hell yes it's all the scary things yeah it's it's scary as a consumer but i'm not a a fear monger i'm the kind of person that's like if it's really convenient for me I'm willing to give up that, that privacy. I think more and more people are not leaning that way. I think more and more people are concerned about privacy. And I, I think especially in Europe, you're going to see um, more rules and regulations come in about being followed from Google platform to Google platform and, and knowing things or inferring things by collecting data from one place and putting it in, into another. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens legally over the next couple of years. But in the meantime. But in the meantime, this is great. People will adopt it. And the person that needs to be really scared of this or the people that need to be really scared of this are TripAdvisor and the OTAs. Oh, my gosh. We've already seen in many cases where the Google reviews are exceeding TripAdvisors in terms of velocity of how fast reviews are coming in. So I, I think Google's already catching up. And it won't be long before. I think they're past them. And, and they're past them? Yeah. And there was another article that came out this week about TripAdvisor, how they're now looking at expanding their advertising clients. So who can advertise on the platform be outside of hospitality. So essentially saying that if a sunscreen company wanted to come and sell ads or, or buy ads to promote sunscreen to someone that's looking for a vacation in the sun... TripAdvisor is going to allow that stuff. That's it, it, that's tricky because TripAdvisor is already losing market share because yep. they're becoming less relevant yeah. with all the other crap that they're throwing right. at with you. And now positions I'm going to figure out stuff. if I want to. You know, yeah, they're, they're killing themselves. Like one decision by by after another, they're chasing profit for Wall Street at the expense of what made them successful, mm-hmm. which was always having a great experience for the user and being useful being a utility for the, the mm-hmm. consumer. That site just makes me angry as yeah. a user now. It it's, truly does. It's terrible. It's not helpful anymore mm-hmm. at no. all. And Google's in the background. I mean, they really haven't come out with any marketing efforts to tell you how great their review platform is. Right. They haven't told you much about Google Trips. We all know about it. We've downloaded the app years ago, and we've kind of thought it was dead. But they've been constantly working on it, refining it, using the information and customers that they send to TripAdvisor to make their product better. Using data to make decisions, yeah. which TripAdvisor is not. They're just mm-hmm. making decisions to try to chase dollars. And yep. it's, 
You know, Google, Google, think about this. How many ads have you ever seen? 16. How, Melissa, how many ads Eight. have you... Oh, hey, Stuart, how many <laughs> ads have you ever seen promoting Google Flights? Zero. Zero. Right. How many of you guys use Google Flights? Every, uh, every day for the last And week. why do you use Google Flights? It's so easy. Right. I love it. Right. And once they open that floodgate of promoting it, it's it's going to... Yeah. Everyone's going to say it came out of nowhere. Even though everyone's been using it for years. Yeah, it'll be the overnight sensation that took 10 years of planning mm-hmm. to get to where they are. But yeah, this, this is a threat. And, and, you know, it is in the short term, it's a threat to the trip advisors and the OTAs of the world. But long term, you know, think about it this way. If Google manages to do with third party distribution for hotels, what they've done for search engines in terms of gaining the market share they have. We're in a worse situation than yep. we are now, because right now you've got the two, you know, this duopoly of booking holdings in Expedia. Well, guess what? If they both get squeezed out, and the only guy standing at the end is Google, you just may you just doubled your troubles because now they can and you squeeze doubled you. your cost per click. <laughs> right. I mean, they can squeeze whatever. I think in the short term, Google's. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy into Google, right? Because we know that the return on Google hotel ads is phenomenal. Yeah, and whatever this hotel or that hotel does is irrelevant to Google. Yes, Mm -hmm. you are a cog in the wheel, but the consumer's gonna flock, right? And you've got you've got it you've got to do it. So knowing that this is a distinct possibility, you need to be doing everything you can right now as a hotelier during the good times. I mean we are fat and happy right now in the hospitality industry. If if you're not profitable now Wait until the economy turns, you're going to be screwed. So right now, you should be reinvesting your profits into your marketing, into your mousetrap, your own website, your booking engine, your CRM, all that stuff that's going to drive repeat business, going to drive direct bookings. You need to be maximizing your focus on that right now and not doing what's easy and probably perceived as quicker and cheaper in the short term, which is dumping rate on OTAs. Because if, if you do that now and you're heavily reliant, if you're over 50% reliant on on third parties and the economy does turn down, what where do you turn? What do you do? You have nowhere to go and say, hey, I need more demand. That's how the OTAs came to power. They came to power in the last downturn when people said, I need, peop- I need headless in beds and I'm willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. profit margin for that. Hey, Expedia, hey, Booking, hey, Priceline, whoever it is help me out and they said sure we'll do that but we need 15% or 20% or 25%. Well guess what? When the next downturn comes and you're already saturated on those platforms, where do you turn? The next guy's going to be asking for 30% and you're going to have mm-hmm. no choice. So you've got to make sure you have a strategy now in the good times so that when the bad times come, you can weather that storm without having to sacrifice your entire business. Google's going to take over the world unless a government steps in and splits them up. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. That is a topic for another podcast. Yeah. Because between them and Facebook and yeah. everything else, that could be closer than we. Yeah, especially Facebook now coming out with their own currency could could be huge. And then you know, there's, there's always this looming question mark of what Amazon's going to do in in the travel space. And I don't know if you saw that that this week, but in um, India they've started including flight search in Amazon in India. So mm-hmm. they're definitely making another 
run at travel. And that's the trick. Another run at travel. Right. Back in 2015, they took a a quick stab at it and backed out almost immediately. But they've done it two or three times yeah. and not been successful. But you know, I think I think you never bet against Google and you never bet against Amazon because nope. they usually both of them find a way. I mean, look how many people with Google hotel ads or back in the the day when it was called HPA. How many people kind of snarled at the, or raised their nose at it and, and said, you know, this isn't isn't that good a pro- product. It doesn't yield that much volume. And look at it now, you know, it's great because Google continues to test, continues to iterate, and continues to improve. Because they they listen to the show and they know they do mm-hmm. always, always be, be testing. testing. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome, Google. You're welcome, Google. We should we <clears throat> should we should share the, some of the profits. I think. <laughs> All right, so that's it for the news of ruse. Let's jump into the topic at hand. So we're talking about high tech. So it's not too late. If you have never been to a high tech before, uh, or if you have and you, you're not sure if you wanted to go this year, I think this is going to be a good year to go. I think Minneapolis is a neat city, but I think um, there's a lot of vendors doing a lot of cool, neat stuff. And, and I think we're on the cusp of uh, a, a, a big change in the industry. And we'll get into some of that in a second. But But first off, before we do... Like I mentioned before, it's in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and it is, what are the dates? It's the 17th through the 20th, is that right? That's it is. what it says. Okay. And uh, really, the people that should be going to this event are any anyone that has a stake, anyone that's a stakeholder related to technology and hospitality. So whether you're a GM or an owner of a small property, you know, you have a PMS system, you have some kind of CRM, you have a booking engine or CRS. Um, you should be going, uh, if you're working for a bigger corporation, if you're in revenue management, if you're in marketing, if you're in IT, um, you should definitely consider going uh, and just seeing what's out there and, and weighing up your options. Because candidly, I think we as an industry are slow to migrate to new technologies, Some, sometimes for the right reasons because you know there's a lot of fly-by-nights, but sometimes we're just stuck on our old legacy systems. You know, And if you look at Booking engines, as an example, you've got a lot of people that have just been with iHotelier or been with Synexus for so long and haven't really thought about, well, you know, what what should I do instead? Um, because it's not broken and, and why care? But, well, guess what? There's a lot of newer technology out there that might actually make an incremental difference in, in your conversion rate, especially on mobile. Um, so it might be time to start shopping that around. Uh, there's a massive evolution right now in the crm space there's a lot of opportunity there so if you're on a legacy platform like a z direct i think it's probably time you should see what else is out there so um we're going to kind of get into what we think some of the uh big trends are going to be or what we expect to see at the show but we're also going to i emailed a few contacts in the industry so we're also going to hear from from folks at navis from um trust you and a couple of others as well so so is this, I mean, if you're a marketer and you're not on the technology side, mm-hmm. is there value? Yeah, I think so because, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of tech companies help your marketing, right? So, so think about, you know, we're, we're marketers, right? So who do we interact with from a technology perspective? And, and regardless of the fact that we, um, you know, we have some of these products, but Booking Engine, there's going to be booking engine providers there. CRM, there's going to be CRM providers there. There's going to be, 
you know, unique stuff that you're not familiar with. Like I'd, I'd never heard of Flip2 before I went to high tech. You know, that's where I met them for the first time. And they've been become a tremendous mm-hmm. partner for us and a tremendous asset in, in our arsenal of weapons that we can deploy for our clients and a lot of success. Um, folks like Navis are going to be there. So from a call center and call tracking and CRM perspective, um, folks like Trust You, which is a, a review platform, self-review and online reputation platform. So there's a lot of what I would, you know, what would be called MarTech there. So tools that you can use. Um, then also on the revenue management side, folks like um, Rainmaker and Duetto are there. So it's, it really runs the gamut from PMS systems to every every other piece of technology, in-room technology for folks that are in operations, um, experience-related technology. I, I would expect to see a lot of kind of voice-activated stuff this year. You know, So it really is anything technology-related, um, starting from the PMS all the way up to robots that can deliver room service You know, and everything in between. But there is a lot of MarTech, so I think marketing folks should should consider going. But to, I would say take take your IT folks as well, you know, because they're probably going to have a, a big a, a lot to say about the decisions you make. Does that answer the cool. question? It does. All right, so let's jump into our predictions. Some of the things we expect to see at High Tech Twenty Nineteen. Number one. one, 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 one. Legacy PMS companies opening up to third parties. I'm excited about this, if this is really happening. How come this wasn't on the list of high-tech 2015 things? <laughs> it should have been. Like, right? Yeah, it, sh- it should have been. It should have really been before that. Yeah. But it hasn't. But, but I think if we look at the evolution of the PMS, in, to put it in context, like every hotel in the world, unless you're still on a tape board, is using some form of PMS. Right, the only one that really has more than a couple of thousand hotels. I mean, there might be a few that are marginal, but the only one that's like in the fifty thousand range is is Opera. Mm-hmm. The rest are like between ten. We have one PMS that we work with an interface with that has literally ten clients, up to you know the maestros and the IQs that, that probably have a couple of thousand properties. Right, there are over seven hundred providers in this space. I mean, think how, how wow. oversaturated that is as a space. And, you know, that's grown a lot in the last five, ten years for sure. But you have, I'd say, fewer than ten that you would consider the legacy um, systems that are really well known, right? And and that would probably be Opera, Springer Miller, RDP, Maestro. You got some on the fringes of the, mm-hmm. well, and Agilisys as well. You got some on the fringes like that of that, like Info and like QWare and stuff like that. But really, those are the well-known ones. But there's a ton of other ones out there, like RoomKey and RoomMaster, and um, you know another big yeah, one you... is MSI. There's a ton mm-hmm. out there, right? Yeah. And and the the thing is, I've I've maybe talked to one hotelier in my entire life that said I love my PMS. I would never change my PMS, right? Every, Our studies show that that is yeah. When we did the tech study last year, right? Exactly. PMS is one of the biggest frustration points in in hoteliers. So there's not a perfect system. So when you're jumping from one to another, not only is it a, a tremendous undertaking, it's huge, but you're also trading one pain point for another, and and it's which one can you live with with more. So what's happened over the years is these guys know that people don't want to leave them, 
So they've really been able to be in control of what they do and how they do it. And a lot of them have been walled gardens where they're like, okay, you have to use our technology and only our technology and we're not going to integrate. And But then over the last 10 years, we've seen a lot of web-based, cloud-based PMSs crop up that are completely opposite. They, they have the philosophy that the companies like ours has, which is let's be open and integrate with everyone and, and make sure that works. But they haven't had the feature set. They haven't been mature enough products to really compete. And it hasn't been a real threat in a meaningful way to the Springer Millers and the operas of the world, right? But guess what? Every year that goes by, those companies, the more clients they get and the more features they build, the bigger comp competition they become. And I think these legacy guys have really woken up to that. And uh, just this week, Maestro sent out and this is shocking to me, but we, you know we've integrated with Maestro for a long time. We've worked with Warren and his team for a long time. They're they're a good company, um, have a good product, but they've always been kind of at arm's length with third parties. They haven't really embraced that. I mean, they integrate for sure when a client pushes them, but it, that hasn't been part of their mm -hmm. philosophy. But they sent out an email to all their partners this week talking about that. The whole email was about how open they are, how they revamp their API, how they want to integrate with as many people as possible. I mean that's a statement. That's a that's a line in the sand saying, "Hey, we're we're fundamentally changing mm -hmm. our opinion." Well, and, and hopefully it's because they realize that booking engine providers and systems like that are not necessarily in the PMS game. Right. You right. Know, one of the big pain points so many hoteliers have is when you say, "What's the problem with your PMS?" It's not necessarily the check in, check out, here's my availability, all that stuff. It's, I have issues with rate management. I have issues with online bookings. I have issues with this that are all kind of, you know, ancillary to the, the PMS process. You know, so you rely on the people who do those things best right. and integrate with everybody, which has always kind of been our, yeah. our philosophy. But the challenge they've had is, you know, the, that the core operations functionality has become <coughs> somewhat commoditized. Mm -hmm. and, and so in prices being eroded, because some of these new guys have come out with business models that are completely different, like a few dollars per month per room versus tens of thousands of dollars a year. So they're trying to maintain their revenue streams. So what they've result, what they've, resorted to is selling these ancillary add-ons mm -hmm. for crazy fees. But what I think they've evolved to now, which probably makes sense, I don't know if it's the fairest thing, but this is why we're seeing them able to do what they're doing is folks like Maestro now are just charging connection fees. So if you want to connect to a booking engine like Fuel's booking engine, you can and you can pay Fuel for the booking engine, but guess what? Instead of you paying Maestro for their um, Wesray, Reswave, I can never say that. <laughs> ResWave booking engine, then you pay them a connection or an integration fee to support the integration to Fuel's booking engine, which, you know, I think you could argue whether that's smart or not long term, but it at least protects their revenue stream and allows the hotel to have a better product at the end of the day. Because PMS companies are good at doing a certain kind of software, right? It's it's a defined user with defined functionality that they can spend time training people. The web is a completely different animal. You're dealing with every kind of user. The, the skills you need to, to design a UI for reservationist versus average Joe in thinking about the psychology of booking, the, um, the nuances of marketing, all that stuff, they're not, I mean, most PMS is just not equipped to do that. So I think they're beginning to realize that they have to 
open up. And it's a, it, that is a good thing because a lot of the challenges the industry has faced over the last 10 years plus have been a direct result of the PMS's limitations. Mm-hmm. And I think we're beginning to see that erode and, and not soon enough, in my opinion. And I, I will give a shout out too to another one. We talked about you know Maestro doing that. Springer Miller is another one, which you know for years and years we tried to work with them for different clients and it was just always very tough to get past the the firewall of people there and they've completely changed tune and now to the point where you know all our products are integrated with Springer Miller and they've been nothing but accommodating to us and I've been really really impressed with that that company in in their philosophy related to how they're going to move a, a legacy PMS system forward into the 21st century so you should definitely if you're considering a PMS system I would definitely look at you know all the guys we've talked about, but I would definitely consider Springer Miller. I think they've they've pivoted in a really good way in the last couple of years. That was a long number one. Yeah, I, you remember I told you at the start. This is going to be a short, short episode. episode. Yeah, every episode. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we can breeze through number two because it's kind two, two, of two, 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 two. related. Yeah, well, the thing too is, is the data integration startups are really trying to solve those industry problems that we were just talking about. Yeah, and and I don't know what's going to happen first. And I I even think even if the PMSs are open, I still feel like this is a necessary product, right? Which is intermediaries coming in and saying, I don't know if intermediary is the right word, but a middleman, a middleware, if you will. Um, Some people are referring to it as a data bus. Some people in this industry are referring to a data lake. But basically, uh, a black box, if you will, where all your data goes in and all your data comes out. So every piece of technology that you um, utilize across your entire, yeah, it is. But it's it's a tool that standardizes the communication of that and the normalization of that data, right? So which is a huge it's undertaking big because yeah. you're collecting a lot of different types of data right. from a lot of different types of technologies for a lot of different reasons. Um, so so there's a company out there called Happy that will be at High Tech. We met them last year at High Tech. And um, they're doing this in a really smart way, and they've already deployed some. And, and they're not only solving the problem of the data integration and standardization. So, so essentially, all your systems would write integrations to them, or they would write integrations to all your systems. And then any other systems you want to plug in, write integrations to them instead of. So if you had a booking engine provider that came along and said, hey, oh, you want to use our software, you'd say, yeah. Instead of writing an integration to the PMS directly, you'd write it to happy and then happy would be mm-hmm. that kind of data bus <laughs> so i i think this is good the other problem they're solving which is really interesting is they're um tokenizing pii well that's this is the probably the most important part of this right. whole process right so it's really smart so think about this right now right so an email address is a, a discrete piece of data that you might collect from a lot of different pl- places right you might collect it from say you're using navis as your call center then the right agent might collect it and put it into navis it might flow into the pms it might not your front desk reservations might put it into the uh into the pms directly your your booking engine might collect it at booking your website vendor might collect it in a sign up form there's a lot of places uh group sales manager might get it manually somewhere so there's a lot of places you might be collecting an email but that that falls under P, under gdpr right so you've got to be careful about who's collecting it where it goes what you're doing with it who has access to it all that stuff so one of the things happy does which is really cool is the, the data gets put into their system and they tokenize it by providing a, a basically an alternative email so it's not so if you are pete 
at fueltravel.com, they would take it and, and switch it out to, you know, 76579 <coughs> at happy.com or whatever. I don't know the format. Yeah. Well, I mean, from a hotelier's perspective, everyone's seen this in terms of the booking.com emails. Right. It's exactly the yeah. same thing as the booking things. But it's yours and you control it. So now when you push out the emails by your CRM, your CRM is only seeing the tokenized version. Yeah. It's, it's not even touching the actual real one. So there's there's some cool stuff they're doing in that. I, 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 none of our clients are using it, full disclosure. Mm-hmm. This is just stuff I've heard through conversation, but it's really interesting to me. But Happy's not the only other company out there doing it. There's a lot of companies really trying to get into this data space. Um, we're trying to do it a little bit on with our CRM from a, a marketing perspective. We're not really getting into the operational side. But um, yeah, we're certainly aggregating data from a lot of sources into a single golden record of, of the guests. So I think we're going to see a lot of companies. I know Ideas were pushing that last year. Um, Navis was pushing that last year. There's a couple of others. And I think we're going to see that have evolved a lot in the last 12 months. So, And that, you know, for if you're a small property, this doesn't really sound like a, a major problem to you. But if you're a group of hotels and you have, you know, hundreds of rooms at every hotel, your data is... Is probably the most important thing you have, and in not managing it well. If is... you're a Marriott, <laughs> yeah, or Starwood, yeah, Whoops. yeah. I mean, it, it's such a big asset, and if it's used right, it it really sets you up for success mm-hmm. in the future. Especially as we we're about to talk about things like AI, you cannot leverage AI to the degree that it's that, that it fulfills its potential unless you get your data in order first. Yes. I mean, it's one of those. It, it's a boring topic. But it's one of those ones where if you have the user's first name in database A and you have their email in database B, if you cannot connect those two, you're never going to personalize your communications to that guest right. to the level that's going to convert. Yeah, exactly. And three, 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 three. number three, AI getting thrown around willy-nilly but not really being used properly. Well, so that that's exactly what kind of leads mm-hmm. on from what we're talking about, right? So if you have a good data model, then AI can be really powerful. And we're mm-hmm. seeing it with our clients, right? Our CRM technology uses predictive analytics and AI, really it's machine learning, a subset of AI, to, to figure stuff out about your audience, to match people up that it didn't necessarily. But AI has become that, it's it's the 2019 version of blockchain, right? Mm. It's, it's <laughs> the term that's thrown around by everyone that wants some venture capital or wants to create some buzz. But a lot of times people are talking about AI. They're not really talking about artificial intelligence. They're talking about complex algorithms that are just mm-hmm. doing things that look smart. So a lot of people out there, are AI powered this, AI powered that. Scrutinize it, right? Ask them what what it is about it that's AI that couldn't be done through an algorithm. Mm-hmm. You know, unless they're actually using machine learning or deep learning or, or voice recognition or something that actually is AI, then be a little skeptical. And I would always challenge you to say, go to the vendor and say to them, well, show me, give me a tangible example of how I can leverage this. Like, what does it mean to me and my hotel Mm -hmm. on an individual level? Don't talk to me in this nebulous, hypothetical stuff, which is what tends to happen when people aren't really using AI properly. Come and actually have a, a, a concrete conversation about how I can deploy this technology that uses AI to help drive revenue or something meaningful, right? Mm-hmm. That That's really the key to me. Yeah, I mean, in, in one example that we're in the process of rolling out now is 
and it's not so much on the hotel side, but on the golf side, where we're able to see what courses people have played, what geographic region that they're in, and recommending courses to them that also fit the profile of place that they played in the past to try to create that repeat booking over and over again. And it goes beyond that, right? Because some of that could be done just through through algorithms, right? So what we're also doing is leveraging big data by saying, okay, what did other people do mm-hmm. that followed these patterns in the past yeah. in creating predictive models based on that to say, okay, if you've looked at course A or room A and room B, what is your predictive next step? What's the statistical likelihood of you doing mm-hmm. the next thing? And then taking that and, and using yeah. that. And what room. did the people who actually book do after that? Right. Let's try to get you to do that because yeah. that's going to lead you to Right. right. So really, you know, I, I think a couple of people have said this. I've heard Tim Peters say this. I've heard St. Ange say this. I've heard a few. And I, I typically use this when I'm speaking at conferences now. But AI is a great tool that makes big data small, right? It, it takes large amounts of information that we've been able to collect. If the data is collected appropriately, you know, legally, appropriately, and in, in stored in a way that can be easily deciphered and understood then ai can really help you make smarter decisions from that day glean insights from that decision or inferences that um of of potential outcomes that you couldn't do without ai Mm -hmm. so that's how we're really trying to leverage it and um our early results are very very promising Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about some of the stuff we're doing with ai towards the end of the show and how you can come and see some of that at high tech hey Mm. a little bit of a side note if everyone's not listening to Thinks Out Loud by Tim Peter, listen to that. That's an awesome, yeah. awesome podcast. He's one of the smartest people <clears throat> on the planet. He really is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not hotel-centric completely. No, he's, but it's, he's a marketer that has yeah. a lot of hotel experience. But it's, it's amazing stuff, and it's kind of like a... It, it's a very short form. It could be a, you know, 10 yeah, minutes, 10, 15 minutes, every episode you can go through it and it's opposite always, of us. Right. Yeah. We're very long winded. He's very succinct. Well, that's cause he's so much smarter than us. He can boil down the point. Yeah. To he 10 gets minutes. rid of all the erroneous words and just gets to the point. But he, he goes so deep into things that you kind of think about on a superficial surface mm-hmm. level and he'll drill into it in a way that you're like, huh? I never really thought about it yeah. from that perspective before. Yeah. One very thing good. he always says is that, AI will not take your job. Smart people who use AI will take your job. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it, it's completely true. I mean, there's yeah. always a spot for the smart marketer, the smart hotelier. Right. As it manages AI. And that's that's actually the biggest threat is when you right. combine those two. Yeah. it's. I mean, specifically, if you look at, say, revenue management, right? If, if you're using an archaic revenue management tool today to, to, to figure out what rates you need to be putting on what channels... And the guy down the street is using some, you know, super duper rate manager, 3000 AI powered supercomputer technology. <laughs> that guy's going to kick your butt every day. And the same on the CRM side. If you're using some run of the mill spray and pray mentality approach to email marketing and the guy next door is using fuel CRM with AI powered predictive analytics, you're going to get your butt kicked. So you've got to really embrace this technology. It's a little scary to people, right? Because I still don't think, you know, there's a lot of clarity in terms of what does AI mean to a lot of people. Well, there's also a lot of, I guess, stress and internal, you know, nervousness. Agita, some might say. One might say. (laughs) 
when you Vegeta. turn over some of those minutia type decisions yeah. to AI. And we see this specifically with the, the fuel CRM where, okay, I want to recommend the best room, but I also want to override that with this one. It's like, wait, <laughs> yeah. let's see how the platform performs because it's going to do right. a better job. Yeah, and uh, over time. And yes. you got, yeah, I mean, you've got to be cautious, right? Because hopefully folks listening to this are using some of the AI stuff within Google Ads. and Because and it, it can do automated bid adjustments and stuff like that based on what Google is inferring of people's next step is going to be. So, but it's never set it and forget it. You've right. got to keep it's, your eye on it. It's still an ABT. To Tim's yeah. point, right, It's that AI is not going to replace your job, but smart people that use it will. So you've got to be the human in the relationship, the person in the relationship, and you've got to make decisions and know when to step in and say, well, it's not taking mm-hmm. into account this erroneous thing out here that it doesn't know about. Right. But even with... Uh, you know, Google's AI-based systems within AdWords, when we were rolling that out, you're testing it. You're saying, okay, this one's not using it, this one is. And let's Where's see how Where's my perform. conversion rates? Right. You know, and at some point, you have to start placing more and more of that trust in yeah. the AI or the algorithm. But you got to let the data tell you call. that. Always be testing. Yeah. You should, we should coin that phrase. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're on to number four. Four. Four, 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 four. Don't miss number four this time. We tried to miss number four last episode. Guest experience technology that has promise but has to be deployed with the appropriate strategy. This is this is one of my biggest bugaboos in the industry is that people tend to gravitate towards the bright and shiny objects. Put the, kiosks the, everywhere. The cool factor, right? <laughs> Let's have robots responding to everything. Yeah. Like the biggest one right now, this is one of my biggest frustrations. And this is not a slight on any of the technology providers necessarily because the technology is not necessarily the problem it's the strategy that's the problem but you look at folks like zingle right they have a good product for communicating for those that don't know what zingle is it's it's basically a a two-way communication platform for hotels to communicate with their guests via social media or via um, sms primarily sms so and it's it's got some automation stuff in there but basically, when you check in at a hotel, you can get a text message that says, hey, I'm your virtual assistant, Pete DeMeo, and I like bees. And um, if you have any questions, let me know, and I'll be glad to respond to you. Right? That, that is, is a good customer experience, right? Especially if it's Pete who likes bees. But having that extra touch point is not a bad thing. But then when I respond and don't get a response or I get a nonsensical response back, that's, bad. that's when it creates friction that was completely unnecessary. I, I went from having an, an average stay without problems to now I've got to stay with problems. You just created friction that didn't need to exist because you didn't deploy the technology properly. So there's a lot of guest experience stuff out there. I'm telling you there's going to be a ton. This is kind of going into the next one, but it's going to be a lot of voice activated stuff at high tech this year. Just think it through. Think through the strategy of how you deploy it and experience it through the eyes of the guest. Because if you're creating friction that doesn't need to exist, you're probably you're probably not doing it right. All right. Well, thanks for the spoiler alert. Yeah. All right. Number five. Five, five, five. five. Voice enabled everything. That doesn't really solve a real problem. Yep. I mean, I, I, I'm cooling my jets a little bit on voice. Really? Because you've been all about the voice. Yeah. So, you, well, you, you're in an echo chamber specifically because you have echoes all over your house. <laughs> uh, I'm a literal <laughs> echo chamber. I'm an early adopter and I love it and it really helps me, right? Mm-hmm. So 
Ed from Flip2, I'm going to give him credit for this. It was something that I'd been considering but hadn't really fully got gotten to the point I am now. He kind of nudged me over the line, I would say. But he made a point, right? I'm visually impaired. I had I had struggle struggle seeing certain screens and things like that. Voice for me is easier than any other mm-hmm. solution, right? Voice for me is easier than texting. It's certainly easier than looking at a small screen. So I'm probably not your typical person. So where it's it's really improved my experience, the the gap between me and the average person is probably pretty big, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm calling my jets a bit. I'd still think I'm right. I just think it might take a little bit longer to get to where it is. I still feel like there's less friction in voice than there is in tactile input in the long term as the technology is perfected. I just think it's going to take a little while to catch up for the average, everyday, regular-sided person to see as much benefit as I do. See, people who use voice just simply from the convenience perspective, not from an accessibility perspective – Voice works best in a one-on-one environment. I'm not going to be in a busy hotel lobby using voice search or voice interaction. There's too much ambient because noise. there's stuff going on, and it's a lack of privacy because now I'm talking to a robot. Right. And th- people don't have to get over that. And you're incom- uncomfortable. It's it's, right. it's kind of like having um you know a, a headphone on your cell phone and walking through a room. It's, and talking. It's just, yeah, it's, talking. It's, it's, it's just, people see it as rude yeah. if, if you're doing that. Yep. Where it works best is a one-on-one experience in a hotel room, yet we've seen time and time again the studies say a lot of guests are uncomfortable and have privacy concerns <coughs> with having a Personal Alexa assistant. or whatever it yeah. might be listening to everything that they say. All right, so I'm giving a sneak peek here. So we're, we're coming out with a 2019 leisure travel study at high tech. We're, we're going to roll it out. We did this... We do this most years. We didn't actually do one last year. We did the tech study last year, but the year before we did a, a leisure travel study. There's always interesting nuggets, and I'll give you a couple later in the show. But one question we asked was, would you, and we'd already primed it with, what, do you have a smart speaker and define what that was and stuff so people knew what it was. We, we asked the question, would you want a smart speaker in your hotel room? Any guesses? What percentage? Said yes. Said they would. I'm going to say 35. <laughs> It was right around 35. Really? Melissa called it. So two-thirds of people do not want a smart speaker in their hotel room. Mm-hmm. And it skews based on age. Younger people were a little more okay with it sure. than older people. Um, whether or not you had one skewed the data as well. You know. Also makes sense. But two-thirds of people do not want them in their rooms. <clears throat> that's, that's, well, there's also that's not a big a, data point. A learning curve to it. I was in a UX class and one of the big examples was the light switch Mm -hmm. it is the most simple user experience you can imagine you don't have to know how to use it if you push it up or push it down the lights go on or off it's very simple and from a hotel room perspective that's basically what you need anything (laughs) else starts becoming a little bit more complicated than i think it really needs to get to yeah. Until well, when you start asking for well, room service. And think or, about a hotel room, right? How many lights are in the hotel room? There's not one light, right? You got yeah. the, the table lamp. You got one next to each side of the bed. You got bright lights and dim lights and mm-hmm. the corner lamp and stuff like that. And what are all those lights called? Yeah. So how do, how do you, you know, when I go in, I don't just turn on all lights. Mm-hmm. It might take me a little while to figure out which switch does which light, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, 
it's a little more nuanced than just saying, Alexa, yeah. turn on the lights. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think there's some friction points that are going to prevent it from coming as quickly as we can. But that won't stop folks at high tech touting how important it is. And I think it is important, but I don't think it's something, you know, if you're going to high tech saying, hey, my next investment needs to be in voice technology and, and you're still using Synexus as your booking engine, you probably need to rethink your priorities. I think the the best way to look at this, and Stuart, you've actually said this before, is make sure that your hotel room experience mirrors the best part of their at-home experience. Yep. If, if they use Alexa or Google Home, whatever it might be, if that's an option for that guest, that's great. But don't try to, one, force technology down their throat, and don't try to withhold technology that they expect to have. Yep. So, yeah. anyway. So those are the predictions we have for high tech. We, I also, like I said, had reached out to some folks and we'll go through some of their responses as well. And I, I basically asked them a couple of questions, but, but one was, you know, what do you see happening at high tech? What are the trends? And then the other was, what are the disruptors? So mm-hmm. let's go through. So number one, the first person to respond, he's always the eager beaver was, was Robert Cole from rock cheetah. Yeah. He, he said the most important thing to watch out for was voice controlled smart speakers. So that we kind of just just covered that one. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I don't think he said it was the most important thing. I think he's oh, saying, you haven't listed as number one. So maybe not. Yeah, that was just his. I asked for like what he sees mm-hmm. as the trends. So he's saying he's he expects to see a lot of these. Not that they're what you should be paying attention to. Got it. This is what he okay. So to see. so very similar. And then the other one he mentioned is data bus platforms as well. Yep. Which is definitely tr- the case. Analytics and AI platforms. Yeah, and business intelligence yep. platforms. Yeah. So he's kind of along the lines. He's a way smarter guy mm-hmm. than us. So, I mean, I, yeah. guess, I guess we're thinking in the right direction. Yeah. And then he's not seeing too much in the way of major disruptors. All right. All right. So who was next on the list? Navis is next. And Navis has to say about the trends. More and more guests expect personalization from marketers and hoteliers. Personalization can also be really difficult to scale, and if a company scales in the wrong way, it can be ugly. Hoteliers rely on companies like Navis to help them personalize effectively, and I'm looking forward to seeing and sharing some advancements in marketing technology to meet guests where they are in the booking journey. Yeah. That was Kyle, who's the the owner of Navis. Didn't he also talk about disruption? He also talked about data management and predictive um, analytics, uh, leveraging automation, preferences, communication, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Now, Navis is a great company. I mean, they've gone through a lot of evolution over the last few years. You know, they were more of a call center solution. It's morphed into more of a full service CRM. Um, but they'll, they'll be at high tech, so definitely go check them out. They're some nice folks over there. All right, so what's next? Who, who's next? Uh, we do have disruptors actually from Navis, oh, which I'm I sorry. think are go interesting. Sorry. Yeah, go for it. So they think the biggest disruptors, which is sort of what you were saying earlier, are tech companies that are playing nice together. Yeah. So it's it's interesting to see that as a disruptive. Right, but they principle. have that in their DNA like we do, right? So right. so think about it this way: both of us offer some form of CRM product, right? As doesn't handle the cool piece. Right, theirs does, and so theirs does the the phone piece and the email piece. Ours does email, SMS, push notifications, pushing out the social, um, pushing out your ad, Google ads and stuff like that. So both of us are in the same space. We have what could be considered competing products, and yet 
we're integrated to each other, right? We work together. So we, we believe that the strengths of our products and the strengths of their products work together. So if a client wants the best of both worlds, they can have the best. And if we integrate, that's better for everyone. So I think there's a lot of people, especially a lot of um, suppliers on the MarTech side that really are embracing that philosophy. Even if there's overlap in product offering, they still want to integrate because at the end of the day, it's a better product for the for the hotel and for the guest. All right, what's next? Next is our friends at Flip2. Or can I call them something new? You can call them Frito. I was going to call them Frito. So. Our, friend, our friends at Frito, Flip2, you'll hear about, hear about this in a second. We asked them what technology trends they're expecting to see. And their response was that they're not, they're not really seeing anyone really tapping the ability to combine all that disparate data into one source, which we did talk a little bit about that on the data bus side, yep. which is definitely the case that we're seeing as well. But then also a lot of improvement and innovation in the revenue management side, Yeah, which I, I think we didn't talk about enough in this, this episode of the podcast, Yeah, but that is... And will continue to be, I think, one of the most important things that people can get their head around because it becomes so important to make sure your rate not only is the best rate for your property, but competes accurately yeah. at the highest possible. And is the right rate for the right. right channel and things like that. Yeah. We we definitely don't talk enough about the rate strategy side on this show. We we def we had um Duetto, we had Marco from Duetto mm -hmm. on one of the episodes and it was very popular in terms of the downloads. So it's probably something we need to touch on a little more. But yeah, certainly there's a lot of money in that space right now. There's a lot of people competing, you know, whether it's Ideas, whether it's Duetto, whether it's Rainmaker. These um, these folks are doing a great job. And, you know, Duetto just got like $80 million in venture capital last year to invest in the product. So I think it's a, it's, it's a very competitive market, something you should absolutely be shopping around. If you don't have a technology partner for revenue management or revenue strategy, you should certainly be looking at those all the big guys are going to be at high tech. So mm -hmm. it's a good opportunity to go, you know, booth to booth and actually have mm -hmm. deep conversations and see how they leveraging AI and stuff like that to, to do a better job. Yep. And we also asked them kind of what disruptors they expect to see at the show. And like, a, you know, people we've talked about, they really don't expect, expect to see a lot of disruptors the way they put it and, and make it's a, it's a great statement, but they said specifically vendors tend to show off, show off a lot of new products and news in quotes and services that really aren't much more than a new wrapper on an already proven concept. Yep. So we do see that all the time. Lipstick on a pig. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it could be a well, great iterative product, updates, but yeah. it's just, it's nothing that's going to blow your mind. So you know, I think you're gonna see a lot of improvements, but you know, I think their, their point is, is dead on that. You're not going to see something that's going to revolutionary coming shift out. the whole world. Yeah. All right. Who's next? Last and not least is trust you. And from a trend standpoint, they are all about talking about automation, whether that be through Internet of Things technology, AI, or just simply scaled processes through technology. As hotel demand is rising, budgets are not, and so automation is the key to success. Yeah, a lot, a lot of technology is focused on efficiency and operational cost savings right. and stuff like that, for sure. I'd agree with that one. And on the disruptors, again, we're on the AI sort of bandwagon here yeah and and tr trust you is i mean they're, they're embracing some of these technologies they're embracing ai they're embracing voice and um they do a good job if you, if you don't know who they are they um they they collect review data for you and then you can publish it on your website as well, as well. and then they do some online reputation stuff so um 
Yeah, which is a kind of a segue, if you if you like. I wanted to talk a little bit about what Fuel is going to be doing at, um, at High Tech. So I'll do that quick, and then we'll segue into the, the listener questions. So Fuel, Fuel is going to be at uh, booth 2920 at High Tech. We'd love to have you stop by. We're doing a couple of things. We're going to be demoing our software. So the three core pillar products that we have, which is the Fuel Booking Engine. If, if you are using an established booking engine, um, I would consider you to, to take a look at ours primarily because really everyone that switched to us from one of the big guys has seen a marked improvement in especially mobile bookings and we've got a ton of properties now that are actually seeing more revenue or not revenue but more bookings come in from mobile and we've seen a couple now hit that third tipping point of more revenue coming from mobile than desktop we're not seeing that with any other booking engine provider so we really i mean tooting our own horn a little bit but we really do feel like we have one of the if not the best mobile experience from a booking perspective on on the market and it's, it's very cost effective we don't charge um transaction fees or any of that stuff it's a it's a flat monthly fee um, so we're going to be demoing the booking engine we're also going to be demoing our crm product which has a lot of cool ai not the nonsense ai that's not really ai so we'll be demoing that with our partners from blue shift who have worked with us on the ai stuff for a CRM and then we'll be um, showcasing to our mobile app which is cool and we'll be doing live demos of the keyless entry feature we just released that um, a couple of months ago where we integrated now with ASA Abloy so if you want a mobile app solution that can do check-in and, and open your doors and things like that we will be demoing that and um, we just ra- wrapping up our certification with Opera now too so if you're if, if you're using that as your PMS all these products Come high tech will be fully operational with opera as well and then the the final thing i want to say i already kind of touched on this is we're going to be giving away free copies of our 2019 leisure travel study this is the first place you can actually get that it's not available anywhere else before high tech we'll probably launch it on our website a week or two after high tech for those that do want it and won't be at high tech but if you're at high tech you want an early preview we'll be handing those out from booth 2920 as well and you'll get cool data and guys the data point of the entire study that i found is crazy you want to hear it let's hear it okay so we we were asking people how they booked Right? How do you, how do you book your hotel? We're looking at you know whether they're using OTAs, what websites they look at when they're booking, things like that. So we were asking them, um, which of these websites did you use during the research phase? And we it was we didn't include the hotel website. It was just um, you know Airbnb, Expedia, Booking.com, like a bunch of these things. So we we saw all these, and there was a write-in option. So if there's a different site, so we saw a ton of people write in. We're using the hotel website for our research. So then we added, after we'd already launched the survey, because we saw that, we added a question in there, which is, did you visit the hotel website before making a booking? So regardless of how you booked, whether you booked for an OTA or whatever, how many, what percentage of people do you think visited the hotel website? Twelve. <laughs> 1%. Okay. It's a little higher than one. Uh, I'm going to say 60%. All right. 80% of people, regardless of how they booked, so even people that booked through an OTA, 80% of them went to the hotel website before they made a booking. That's awesome. Isn't that crazy? So, I mean, that really tells you that having a great booking engine, having a great mobile experience, and reducing friction 
it's so is important. so important because you you had them you had the opportunity well, but yeah, the OTAs did a better that. job of getting them back in their mousetrap right. yeah you know they're probably triggering emails you know card abandonment emails they probably had a, a more frictionless experience but 80 percent of people that book regardless of the channel come to your website you cannot afford to mm -hmm. lose those people so that's just yeah. one of the insights and if you look you at get from the leisure if you look stuff. at 80% of your guests, if 80% of your guests are direct bookings, then you've kind of hit the you're, you're nirvana good. of yeah. you know, hotel bookings. But if there's a difference, there's that room for improvement. Yeah. Yeah. This and we, we always kind of, that's our kind of <coughs> goal, right? Whenever a new client comes to us, we want to get them down to tw sub 20% on OTA, uh, uh, OTA bookings. Mm -hmm. So if you're north of 50%, certainly, you should be rethinking your strategy. Mm -hmm. For sure. And then I, I said that was the final thing. There's one other thing. We're also going to be doing live videos during the show. So Lauren Gray from um, Hospitality Digital Marketing is going to be there at the booth with us with his video equipment. And we're going to be doing interviews of both suppliers and attendees, the hoteliers, on the show floor. So if you want to come by booth 2920 and tell us you know, if you're a vendor, supplier, if you want to tell us what you guys are, are selling, if, you, if you're an attendee and you want to come tell us, you know, what you think about high tech, what you think about bees, what you think about Star Wars, doesn't matter. We'd love to have you come by the booth and, and do an interview with you as well. So we're going to be doing those live streamed on our social channels, but we're also going to be editing some of the best excerpts of that down and doing a future, like a post high tech episode with some of those interviews as well. So there's a lot of cool stuff going on at High Tech. So if you haven't already um, done so, then uh, we'll put the link to go to the High Tech website on the show notes, which you can get at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 112. But before we go, I think we had a listener question on Twitter. We did. We had a question from the Cheshire Boutique Barnes via Twitter. I'd say Cheshire. Cheshire. Yeah. They're, they're from your UK. side of the pond. Yeah. So. yeah. I'm probably more correct. Uh, <coughs> okay. More correct. Yes. Yeah. Well, what she said was, BTW, love your podcast. I listen when I'm running, so now I'm super skinny as well as a genius marketer. Haha, <laughs> not. Now here's a question. You mentioned Frito or something similar lots of times <laughs> in context with the reviews. What is this, please? Did they spell it like Frito, like they the did. chip? Awesome. Yes. No, it's F-R-E-E-T-O. Oh, Frito. That's awesome. So, but yeah, that was Flip 2. Yeah, so it's F-L-I-P dot T-O. So it's, it, they're not in Tonga because dot T-O is from the, con mm -hmm. from the country of Tonga, but it's just a cool sounding yeah. name. But it's Flip dot T-O. And it took me a long time to figure out how exactly how to kind of use that into you know, my nomenclature and typing and stuff like that. So like, I know where she's coming yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a weird name, right? Yeah. But it's a great, it's a weird <coughs> name, weird people, but great product. Yep. And um, it's, it's one of the first things we put on a marketing budget now when we work with a new client. You know, it's, it's an advocacy platform that basically allows you to turn your guest into marketers for you. And it's, it's very turnkey, very well thought out. Um, a lot of people look at it and say, oh, it's a user-generated content tool. With It's aggregating photos of, of guests, which it does, but that's just one of the features. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a very cost-effective way to turn your guests into advocates. So that's flip.to is, is the URL. Yep. And tell them that the, fuel, the guys <laughs> over at Fuel sent you, and they might give you an extra special 
pat on the back or something. I don't know. There you go. So she actually had another question too. She's she's looking for a way to pull all of her reviews from different places together onto her website, and if we can help with that process. So that that's complicated, right? Because a lot of the folks that aggregate or collect reviews like TripAdvisor don't want you to do that, right? Because they want to control it. So so TripAdvisor specifically offers a tool where you can put the most recent five reviews on your website, but you don't have any control over it um, for free. And you have to link back to TripAdvisor on, on all of those reviews. So you don't really want to send people out to TripAdvisor, I don't think. Um, then they also offer a data feed from TripAdvisor where you have a little more control, but it costs a ton of money in, in yep. development and it's it's a pain, <coughs> so I wouldn't recommend that. But then that's just TripAdvisor and you got to deal with all the others. You can't technically go and scrape TripAdvisor, although it, you, I mean, you can technically, but you're not allowed to go scrape TripAdvisor and publish those reviews on your website. It's, it's against their terms and they'll slap you pretty hard if you do that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit of challenge. Our recommendation is to do a couple of things. One is to kind of aggregate snippets of what we would consider testimonials more than reviews and, and kind of put those up there and beg forgiveness if someone like TripAdvisor does come. So you could just say PS said and put quotes and take a snippet from it and say it was four out of five or whatever. So you could do that easily if you're using a CMS like WordPress. You could easily create a channel within that to for reviews and, and manually do it and update it frequently. And that way you're curating what you want to show and it's putting your best foot forward. I think you need to be careful though because testimonials certainly don't have the same impact as reviews in terms of their trustiness because you know people see it's, it's marketing. Um, but I would also look look at folks like Trust You because that's what they do is, is they allow you to collect your own reviews and then publish them on your site or wherever you want to publish them. And they also syndicate out to third parties as well. So I'd look at someone like Trust You, which is the URL is just trustyou.com. But anything else that, beyond that, anyone that says they, and there are some vendors out there that scrape the, the review platforms and then publish them on your site, I would probably recommend staying away from that. Um, I, ju I just think that you can get into a lot of hot water by doing that. So I'd look at Trust You, try to collect your own reviews that you have control over, but be sure that you're being authentic with that and you're not just showing all five-star reviews. People will see through that. Um, but, I, but I do think having reviews on your website is important. I think it, it's one of the things you can do to stop people leaving your site and go book somewhere else for sure. Definitely so That's true. a great question. So then we do also have a, a iTunes review. And it's from ho the Hotelitarian, which says, Invaluable, excellent resource for hoteliers. Five stars. It's very succinct. That was almost as if Tim Peter wrote it. It because, was. Because it was short yeah. to the point. Hotelitarian thinks out loud. <laughs> they told us that we're excellent. We appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. That's that's a really nice um, review. If you'd like to leave a review, we'd really appreciate it. We, we um, typically read them out on the show. And through the voodoo of the Apple store somehow magically that helps us. No one really understands how that happens, but we think it does. So please go leave a review. If nothing else, it makes us feel good. And I'm sure you all want us to feel good. So we are a feel good kind of company. We are. We are indeed. So guys, high tech 2019, you guys should all go and attend. We'll put the link in the show notes again, fuel travel.com slash podcast click on episode 120 we've just updated our website in fact and then now there's a couple of cool features on the podcast page so if you go to fueltravel.com slash podcast you can now just 
there's a drop down for all all numbers so you can just select the episode number and there's also a search on that page now so if you just want to search for a specific keyword that showed up in one of the episodes show notes you can do that too so if you do a search for say influencer marketing you'd find any any episode where we've re referenced influencer marketing which is a pretty cool tool and we're already seeing people use that so go check out the show notes and then pete yes some, if someone wants to find you where can they do that I'm usually just at home, relaxing after if I'm not at work. But yeah, I'm yeah. also on Twitter, so they okay. can find me there. It's Pete DeMeo, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. Do you want him to come to your house? Do you want to give out your address? Not per personally. Not particularly? So. I don't think Kevin would appreciate it. And Melissa? I am on Twitter at M-A Cavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. You had to slow down there. Yeah, I really had to think that one through. It's a complicated name to spell. I thought you were going to say, you can also find me at Pete's house. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never been to Pete's house. I mean, it's a nice house. We're neighborly, but I haven't been there. Everybody come over. we have a big party. All right. You heard it here, guys. Everyone in the Fuel Nation out there that's listening can come to Pete's house. Just look it up. Just Google Pete DeMeo online. You'll find his house and also... And all the bees. And the bees. And you'll also find a company called... What was that we did? People the United to Stop Pete DeMeo. People United to Stop Pete DeMeo, which was a, a <coughs> Google My Business that we created years ago to poke fun at Pete. And apparently it's still out there. And it's, we sometimes still, still get phone calls for people looking to intern with the People yeah. United to Stop Pete DeMeo. Which is I, I've got several credit card offers, including several interns. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. You can find me at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Still checking my mic and trying to read my newsroom. Or newsies, or musicals, or all the other names that we've tried to come up with, and nothing has stuck except for newsaroos. <laughs>